Welcome to the eighth episode of 13 Ways to Lead with your host, the 13th Command Chief Master Sergeant of the Air National Guard, Chief Master Sergeant Maurice Williams. Our featured guest today is Senior Master Sergeant Amanda Calderon, the IG Brown Training and Education Center First Sergeant. I'm Master Sergeant Eric Gallion, and today we're talking about how to lead by being accountable. Establish an organization of accountability by creating a culture of healthy competitiveness. Allow people to make mistakes, fail fast, and recover. Fear of failure should never be an option. Here's your host, Command Chief Williams. Hey, it's a great opportunity to be here today. Uh, always on each episode, we have great guests and allow them to share their perspective and share it to the uh, listening audience out there that they may see that um, some of the things that I look at as leadership principles, how it's affected their lives and share their experiences. And we may have a connection with the audience and uh, things that we can share to help make people better, uh, give people things to talk about. So today uh, I have with me is a uh, senior master sergeant, Amanda Calderon, who's the first sergeant here at the IG Brown Training and Education Center in Knoxville, Tennessee. And um, it's going to be my great pleasure to uh, have a conversation with her. We have interacted several times, you know, since I've been in the seat. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing her perspective on accountability. But what, before we get started here, I'll just let her introduce herself and just uh, tell a little bit about, about your background. So my history in the Air Force has been diverse and total force. Throughout my 18-year career, I have been active duty, reserve, and now I'm guard. And to throw more total force on there, I am also married to an active duty member. Okay, that's that's very unique. So uh, all three components and then uh, the spouse of a, um, a active duty member that's uh, that is very diverse. So, you know, today's topic, we want to talk a little bit about um, being accountable, you know, and I wrote wrote that down as one of my principles because, you know, as we look at the definition of accountable, it's the fact of condition of being responsible, you know, and having that responsibility. And, you know, just going back in my background as I thought about that, because, you know, most of us, we're shaped when we're young and uh, I grew up in a single parent home and my mother shaped me on the, on the part of being accountable because she enforced me to be responsible uh, as a single parent and, uh, and only child. So uh, those are the characteristics I got from her and looking at her work ethics and, and that accountability piece. So is there anything that, that helped shape you when you think about accountability, not just from the military aspect, from your personal experience? Absolutely. Actually, uh, Chief, I didn't realize that you and I would have this in common where we came from single parent households. Um, and so I find that pretty interesting. But also, I, I would just say that I'm, I'm really thankful for my supervisors growing up in the Air Force that they had a lot of patience with me because I think I needed that at the time. Well, I can say um, uh, I, could, I just have to say the same thing because, uh, you know, individuals look at uh, individuals like myself in these positions, but hey, some of us, we were some knuckleheads coming up, and uh, my supervisor had to have some patience with me in doing some certain things, but, uh, you know, as a little bit of shaping, a little bit of mentoring, it, get you ba- it gets you back on track. I think when you have that foundation, it can uh, help sustain things when you 
step out of line, uh, make some mistakes. I got a question for you, Chief. Now, you said you were a knucklehead in your, in your youth or in your, early in your career. Was that because of a lack of accountability? I don't think it was a lack of account, accountability. I think uh, within, um, and I'm speaking within the military, within that time period when I came in, uh, we was in what we call a strategic reserve then. And so we had, in a squadron, we had 200 people in a very small building. So an individual young airman coming in, I could get lost. Mm -hmm. And so that lack of direct supervision and not feeling part of the team, that's what made me stray away and do whatever because nobody seemed to put any attention on it. So I would, um, you know, uh, come drill part, part of the days and leave early. That was a uh, time doing the guard at that time. That sounds almost like a lack of accountability from the leadership standpoint. Correct. That's at what that it was. point. Yes, yes, that's what it was. Uh, you know, uh, not being focused on everyone and showing that responsibility to everyone, making sure everyone's there on time, following up with them, and making sure we was uh, engaged in uh, doing things. Now, Shirt, have you noticed anything like that between the three, you know, active duty guard reserve components? Well, it... Yes and no. I would say that it def definitely heavily depends on the leadership that you have growing up in your career. But also, it depends, just as Chief said, the size of your unit. In my very first unit, being an active duty airman, I felt that we had a lot more accountability early on because there were so many of us brand new airmen there at the very same time. So... Our leadership had their, their pay cut out for them when they had to mentor about nine of us brand new airmen fresh out of basic training in tech school. Yes, we, we knew what to do, but being a brand new airman, getting used to that Air Force culture definitely uh, was a challenge for them. But conversely, I, I find it ironic in a way that my role here now is on their side. So now I get to mentor airmen and hold them accountable, uh, particularly students, if there are things that may not necessarily be a big, you know, deal, but just to give them that mentorship, as I alluded to earlier, that I would have liked to get as a young airman. Right. You know, that, that comes from a organization shaping the culture in the organization. And one of the things is when you first come in the organization to shape that and when we're looking at accountability, hey, we got to sit down and talk about the expectations of, you know, your job, of that particular organization. Hey, what are the goals of that organization? Or what are the priorities of that organization? What are the line of efforts that we're going to utilize to get to those priorities? And that helps shape that culture of people being accountable because, hey, we want to hit these goals. These are the line of efforts it takes to get to these goals. And it's just a simple expectation of, of sitting down with someone and telling them, hey, my expectation is you to be here on time. Hey, my expectation is you to f finish these tasks each time we have drill or whatever the situation, situation may be. That helps build that responsibility individual, someone who have, haven't had that attention and that direct attention to build, to them, make them become responsible, and they start building on that accountability. Have you seen examples in both of your careers of, of good accountability and bad accountability throughout your careers? I can say for myself, from my experience as a young airman, I, I saw bad accountability okay. by not being seen within that organization. But then as things change and the unit had a downsize, hey, that's when accountability came because we had less amount of people to do the same amount of work. 
Now we had to start making sure everybody was doing their part. But it changed with the leadership and telling the expectations as, as a smaller unit of what we need to do to be successful. At that point, that was a change, kind of change in my career and how I viewed being accountable and coming in and giving 110%. How about you, Sherp? Good accountability, absolutely, at the very beginning of my career when I'm needing to know more about how the Air Force culture um, can affect how I do my job and how important it is to know both the culture and your job in order to be an effective airman. But also, um, you know, grow not necessarily it being a good and bad accountability, but more for the fact what stands out in my mind is that that accountability can change throughout the course of your career. So as you go from an airman to an NCO, your levels of accountability change because those expectations are different, but even more so now as a senior NCO. So with something like that, it sounds like the consequences are greater too for lack of accountability. When you get in trouble as an airman, it's pretty minimal compared to if you're a chief. Or, or even higher. What would you say is essentially the, the influence for accountability growing? Is that something just you learn as you go through, you know, through your career? Or is that something that you, you surround yourself with people that have that accountability and you choose to emulate them? Or is it something innate or well, something I'm not even mentioning? I think it's... Uh as you grow, as you uh, grow, and hopefully as people grow, more knowledge and understanding come. And as they get a larger scope of responsibility, they see the mistakes can be a lot more, can, could be a lot bigger than the other's minor mistakes when they didn't have as much responsibility. And so you got to build a culture within the organization and also who you surround yourself with. Those individuals, uh, you know, always one thing I always say, hey, if you're the smartest, per smartest person in your circle, you need to get another circle because those individuals will help, help you grow and you uh, feed off of those individuals to be, be successful. And those are the ones that if you're growing as a, as a leader or as a person, they help you grow. And I think that helps bring on that uh, developing uh, more responsibility as an individual because uh, your scope is getting so much larger. What about the influence of accountability in your civilian life? Well, hey, you gotta be accountable to those family members that you're around and people that are in your same circle because, hey, that, that relies on the term I use too is your credibility. You know, how credible you are because your being responsible is a reflection of can I count on you are you going to be credible in any situation, you know, whether it's personal or within, you know, your career field. And in this age of information, uh, being credible is, is incredibly fragile. Yes. You can lose that credibility in as simple as a tweet. That's right. That's right. I mean, information comes so fast uh, now. Uh, I could be sitting here and I leave once I leave from this podcast there's some new information out there and, and I'm get to the next location. The airman asked me about it. Um, that's just how fast the information comes. So I have to do a little, I always say, hey, pause, let me, uh, let me do a little research on it before I make a statement about it because the information comes so fast, I got to catch up with the information sometimes. I, I would definitely say that uh, personable accountability is uh, 
kind of a, a two-way street for me. I mentioned in the very beginning that I'm married to an active duty member. So I think having an active duty Air Force member being able to have real conversations with me and vice versa. We give each other a lot of uh, unsolicited feedback and, and opinions about what we're doing. But I think that's, uh, you know, one of the biggest pieces of accountability that I have for myself outside of work. First, I want to ask you this question. So if you're talking to a young group of airmen, how do, how do you explain uh, how would you explain accountability based on your position as a first sergeant? Because, you know, one of the things is, you know, people first mission always. So how do, how do you explain to that lowest airman uh, in a situation when they're dealing with um, being irresponsible? Well, it's kind of funny. I actually had uh, one of those conversations today, but the way that I handle most of the conversations that I have with airmen is, talking to them about why they're here. A lot of the reasons they're here is for ALS and NCO Academy. So for senior airmen, I you know talk about becoming an NCO, becoming that leader that you know, if you're correcting somebody on something, you have to make sure that you're also doing that the correct way. So you can't correct somebody whose hair is out of rakes if your hair is looking crazy. Mm. Same thing, you can't correct somebody on the the color of their nail, their nail polish if you're out here with, you know, fire engine red nails right. in uniform. Um, but also it's giving them the chance to give their side of the story. I hear a lot about how a lot of these conversations with uh, the staff here that when they had these conversations with their leaders as airmen, that it was just a one-way conversation. There was no, okay, is there anything else going on in your life that you need help with? Do you need to speak with a chaplain, counselor? Do you need some financial assistance? Because I, I would say that for myself as an airman, if somebody would not ask me those specific questions, then I would not want to volunteer that information myself. That's right. Hey, it's, it's, it's all about showing about caring. You know, having that empathy because a lot of times in a situation like that, there's there's other uh, things in the background that's cause individuals to act act that way. Or sometimes they may not just understand their expectations clearly of what they should be doing or not should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing. But a lot of times, hey, there's background information or something going on in people's personal lives that uh, have them to react certain ways. But so that's why we got to show that Anthony and give them an opportunity to explain themselves and, and provide additional information. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, uh, and that's that's what we always got to do. You know, always start off with um, things that they're doing right. Like how we how can we help them improve, and then go back to the things that we agree on for them to to improve. Uh, and I think that helps build that credibility between you and them. And also an offshoot of accountability and something that I just mentioned to some airmen today is now that you're going through this training of becoming a leader, realize that you can also be giving feedback to your leaders. And so what better way to know how to lead your airmen than to get feedback from them? That's right, because hey, sometimes we think we're doing it right and we're not doing it right. You know, I ask uh, my team all the time, hey, what can I do to help you? Uh, get better? What things do I need to change or what things do I need to do to help you, to help continue the team to go and uh, move the team in the right direction? Because we all got to be shaped at every different grade, every different way. You know, we always look at that 360 degree leader 
up, down, top, bottom, uh, in any kind of way we can. So I think it's uh, it's uh, detrimental that we do that. Talking about accountability and and from a leadership standpoint, there's also the you have to lean on your team to be accountable as well. Otherwise, it all falls on you. Have you guys ever experienced a, a subordinate or even a leader that refuse accountability without realizing that they they behave that way? And I, I've had several. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because you know, um, I came in I came in the Air National Guard in 1987. So. We have changed at an organization, but uh, back when I come in, it was just a, it was a one-way conversation. And whether they was wrong or right, they say, hey, if they was wrong, they say, well, you just did it because I said it. You, no questions asked still. Mm-hmm. Not no explanation of why behind it. You know, like today, you know, I, I think, well, I don't think I know. We need to explain the why. That will help people really engage in what they're doing to help the situation. So, so I had several during my, during my time, uh, during my career. And hey, I learned from that. That's why I can talk about it now. Yeah. I see that it was wrong. And uh, hey, they didn't have empathy. No, they yeah. just said do. Yeah. Uh, use a few words to go behind it. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, but that was the culture then, as the culture has changed now. But, um, yeah, I've, I've experienced that and seen good and bad. For myself, I remember being a, a senior airman, even a brand new staff sergeant, and my career field is 2S material management. And just uh, getting into a, not getting into a situation, but having a situation where an NCO had failed to sign back out when they left the secure vault. And so things like that, e- even if you're not necessarily directly involved in them, can kind of uh, influence how you want to be as a leader in the future. Um, but that kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, Chief, is that if you're in a larger organization, sometimes that accountability can uh, be lost in the shuffle. Yes, yes, it can. You know, um, within this principle, as I talked about accountability, I also talked about failing forward. You know, we got to give airmen and ourselves, hey, at some point, you know, we're going to make some mistakes and it's going to fail. But if we recognize it and and learn from it, hey, and explain, hey, this is why I failed, it's a learning experience. We're growing. You know, so we, I always talk about, hey, as we fail forward, we just pivot and we make another decision. Fail forward, pivot, make another decision. Of course, those decisions, it's still calculated decisions, but at some point, hey, we got to, that's how people grow. Yeah. Um, you know, as long as it's not, uh, you know, causing harm to anyone in death or any safety violations, but we got to make, we got to make some decisions. That's how we got to, that's one thing we look at is we got to accelerate change, accelerate movement within our organization. That does remind me of the, uh, the phrase fail faster. Right. Right. You know, yeah. And allowing those mistakes, which actually builds confidence. If you're given the opportunity to fail and recover, it'll only make you better in the future to the point where you do so, you know, you do a job so well that you can't fail. You know, but you have to be given that opportunity. 
I admire the opportunity to make mistakes. I feel like a lot of the history in my Air Force career has really been centered around uh, leadership's failure of their airmen underneath them failing. And so to, to give a personal example, just a recent example really, is I got my bachelor's degree five years ago. It has taken me this long to, to kind of work up that courage and get past my own fear of failure to apply for a master's program. So, um, you know, being able to even just talk with Airmen about that, but like, if that's something that you want to do, then just go for it. Don't allow your own fear of failure to, to hinder your progress or to delay you from doing something that you're really interested in. Yeah, that's a, that's a great example. You know, and I always say, you know, uh, it's still that opportunity there. Colonel Sanders started Kentucky Fried Chicken when he was in his 60s. Wow. Isn't that successful. cool? That is yeah. really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, we shouldn't let time, age, or anything stop us from pursuing that and shooting for our goals. It reminds me of that phrase, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. That's so you good. can gripe about, oh, I wish I would have started sooner. Well, if you start now, you know, whether it's four years from now, five years from now, you'll either accomplish it or you'll still be kicking yourself. I wish I started sooner. So along with accountability, there also comes a hint of adversity from it. You know, there, there are people who may not realize that they're not going to be accountable for whatever reason. They're going to say that wasn't that's not my problem. How do you address those people in the workplace who fail to take the mantle? of accountability. I tend to try to just address that by showing what I, I tend to do. And that's really what I think is one of my greatest attributes is that I tend to call myself out. It, and it could be a failure or it could not be. But, um, you know, trying to show that personally for me, if I feel like an interaction didn't go 100% the way I wanted it to, I try to go back to that individual and be like, that was not my best whatever the case was, here's what I really meant. And so hopefully people can see that, you know, behind this uh, exterior that I presented myself that I, I tend to also reflect. One of the things you stated was a person not being accountable for their actions. You know, I, I like the book Extreme Ownership. Hey, you got to own everything below you. Mm -hmm. If, hey, if, if my team, if we are putting on a event, a huddle, or a course, and it's not right, it's on me because I own that, so I take ownership for it. So yeah. it may have been, hey, I wasn't direct with my expectations. Hey, maybe I didn't provide enough resources. Maybe I wasn't clear on the steps and procedures. So I have to own it, and that's what I would tell that person. Hey, you got to own it on everything below. You can, you can deny it if you want to, but it's take ownership. That's, you know, that go back to failing forward. Uh, so it's extreme ownership that you own everything below you. and uh, You just go go and make some adjustments to get it to the level where you expect it to be. And what you're providing to those individuals that's out there in whatever event that you're having, whatever course, uh, the people that you're leading. Mm -hmm. You want them to feel comfortable. You want them to feel appreciated in the work that they do. And they see the results on the back end. That's where it goes back to them understanding the why and how they fit in that big picture. 
So John C. Maxwell has said, in life, the question is not if you will have problems, but how are you going to deal with your problems? If the possibility of failure is erased or were erased, what would you attempt to achieve? Possibility of failure. It's, uh, it's always there, but you know, one of the things I always think about, there's a, there's a solution to every problem, but it's, sometimes it's tough to solve it. Uh, you don't want to go through what it takes to get the resolution of the problem, or it's very difficult to get to that point. But, you know, I always believe there is a solution to every problem. It's depending on what you want to take to get to, the, to that solution. So uh, I think there's a resolution to everything. So it's about whatever, what you want to take to get there. So, see, my Sergeant, you know, we, we, I'm going to jump into your first Sergeant Lane here a little bit. Do you remember any particular thing that um, you have experienced uh, doing your first Sergeant training that touched on accountability? If you go back to even, um, I know y'all do 12 hours a year of training each year, uh, even when you went through the first Sergeant Academy, uh, as we look at and we talk about accountability. Absolutely. So there have been many instances where you have to have that accountability for yourself. Uh, I remember being in the first starting academy and we had fitness challenges and you 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 could kind of tell which which flights were doing all of the movements correctly and which ones weren't. Um, and really, I think speaking of accountability, then you have these peers all around you that are holding you accountable. Just like a certain Silcott had mentioned during her podcast with you, Chief, is mm -hmm. that she had a great peer group that would hold her accountable and vice versa. Uh, so I think it's so important to, as you said earlier, that you surround yourself with the people that can hold you accountable, but also the people that aren't going to be afraid of giving you that feedback that you need to hear. Right, right. One thing about feedback, hey, are we willing to receive it? Mm-hmm. Oh, Sometimes yeah. it's hard and painful. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we got to be willing to receive it, you know, uh, and be willing to be coachable, uh, be trainable. Those are all the things that feel when you have that circle uh, of individuals that uh, can provide that guidance to you. Hey, you got to be able to receive everything they're giving you. Yeah. It's especially stinging if, if it's a constructive criticism in a field that you feel you are an expert of. That is true. Yes, right. I think that's where, right. you know, you think you're doing something right. I've been doing this for, you know, 15 years or 20 years. And then somebody said, well, just so you know, it's been wrong this whole time. That's right. Ex excuse me, what? This is how we've always done yeah. it. <laughs> well, there's a new process and this is what the customer wants now. And so you've got to go back and think, am I willing to accept this change or is it time for me to move into something else? That's right. I mean, because, uh, you know, change is ever evolving. If we don't continue to evolve with the time, we will get left behind and we get stuck in these certain ways. If we look into, you know, different companies that did not evolve in time like Motorola. We don't have Motorola yeah. anymore. <laughs> Just things that did not evolve with the time and kept up enough with the fast pace. And that's just why, I, I mean, that's why I'm sitting here uh, doing a podcast because I'm trying to use a platform to still communicate with the airmen 
that are in our Air Force and our Air National Guard, you know, because, hey, I'm a dinosaur when it comes to social media. So I have people around me that push me to do things and get me out of my comfort zone, but to stay relevant with the time to still be have that connection with people. I find myself, when I try to give constructive criticism to people, I find myself giving, I could see how maybe from your point of view it was this. However, let's try to meet in the middle somewhere. Let's talk about how to improve that a little bit. In a way, I'm really sensitive to kind of stepping on someone's toes as far as, you know, this has been my career field for a long mm -hmm. time. I'm an expert in it. But... You know, this is me trying to explain to them, I'm not insulting your knowledge. I'm not saying that you don't know what you're doing because you really are. But let's just try to improve this one little piece. You need to get the right one. They'll say, oh, I know. No, no, you, you, you're in my lane. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, especially since they've been doing it for a while because they know. But yeah, that's uh, it's uh, it's challenging times, but we always got to continue to, uh, you know, evolve. Have you ever kind of coached somebody into accountability that had nothing to do with your job, that had nothing to do with, with your life? It was just a random encounter with, with somebody out in a, a market or, a, or on the street or anything like that? Yes. Uh, matter of fact, you just uh, I, I was at a restaurant and um, uh, they had a lot of people coming in and um, they was taking individuals' names and the hostess started just randomly picking people versus going on the list of the sign up. And so I, and he, and this individual was training another individual and I, was, and I just pulled him to his eyes, hey, I said, now you're taking the list and the party is the same number in each party. Why are you not going by the timeline that people came in mm -hmm. to get signed up to be on the list? I said, that affects people, that shows favoritism have an effect on your job and you could have a lot of individuals addressing you based on the way you're seating people yeah. and he said yep yeah, well you're right yeah i just got overwhelmed so i just started looking out there picking people who had certain numbers so he went back to his list and stopped and plus he was training somebody yeah i remember being a younger airman and just having such a hard time with getting feedback from other people especially from a peer group and uh to Follow your example, sir. I have a really specific story of a peer. Uh, I think we were A1C senior airman at the time. She had called me out for my purse, uh, you know, being out of rigs. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just be smart and just turn it around. She's like, no, that's still the same purse. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. As we're better in this uniform, we're better individuals for our family, for our nation, for the world. So everything, every principle that I speak about is help building the individual for themselves and not just for the uniform. You're essentially an ambassador on multiple levels right. by being in that uniform. Right. So you've got to emulate the best of all of those categories everywhere you go. Speaking of being an ambassador, I remember a recent experience where Chief Myers, the ANG ADA functional manager, had requested that I brief in his place for the Command Chief Master Sergeant training course. And um, I remember just being very intimidated about the thought of that. But what I admired about him and, you know, leading by being accountable is that he and I had several discussions about this speech. It was more of a guided discussion, but for the fact that he stressed to me that I am the expert in being a first sergeant 
in these recent times and that I know what I'm talking about hit these points, but make sure that you're holding these chiefs accountable as being part of that triad and being able to make room for their first sergeants, but not only make room for them, but being able to give them that feedback that they need, holding their first sergeants accountable so then they can be that valuable team member that they need for their command team. Yeah, that was a great example. Uh, yeah, I was there doing when you gave that speech, when you was briefing the command chiefs there, and so uh, it went well, did an excellent job. Yeah, it was a few times I jumped up to help help you help step on their toes <laughs> yes. a little bit on some things that they need to be take ownership of because they're the functional manager for the first sergeants and wing command chief. So a uh, very good example there. Absolutely. Even though I was so nervous about it, I remember being very good about holding Chief Myers accountable in a way because I kept asking him, like, okay, what's the feedback? What feedback do you have for me so that I can do better the next time? That's good. That's really good. Was he able to provide that for you? Yes, he was. And with Chief backing you up, was your word even more credible? Yeah, I think so because uh, Chief Williams uh, has a very passionate way of speaking, and um, so that really helped get me out of my shell, but also to drive more of those points to the chiefs and kind of, uh, as the chief mentioned, you know, step on their toes or ruffle their feathers a little bit. There were some things that uh, I saw that they had recorded after I had made some comments, so that was that was pretty interesting. Yeah, <laughs> thank God for that passion. Where would we be without it? <laughs> Thank you, Chief Williams and uh, Senior Master Sergeant Calderon, First Sergeant, for taking the time to speak to us about leading by being accountable. Be sure to follow the Air National Guard on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And for more of Team 13, follow the director of the Air National Guard on Facebook. Join us next month on 13 Ways to Lead, where we will be tackling the topic of leading by being accessible with Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, Joanne Bass. From all of us here at the Air National Guard Podcast Network, have a great Air National Guard day. Team 13, out. 13 Ways to Lead is produced by Major Amber Schatz. Our editor and sound mixer is Master Sergeant Brandy Fowler. This episode is recorded at the IG Brown Training and Education Center at McGee-Tyson Air National Guard Base, Tennessee.